Civilization is never so charming as when it is an island in the middle of simplicity or of a civilization of an alien kind. William Hurl Malik. Welcome to this week's episode of Warfare, Advancement, and Revisionism. My name is Preston Floyd, and as always, I'm your host. I'd like to thank everyone who's been listening so steadily over these past few episodes, and I would like to go ahead and apologize for, uh, I guess, the delay in this episode getting posted. Um, I admit to have this up uh, Tuesday morning, however, just due to a number of factors, travel, uh, tiredness, unpacking, um, a whole number of things. I just I got delayed, and I'm not able to record it until uh, today, uh, which I'll be posting it shortly. Um, but I hope everyone is having a happy new year and that you had a safe and productive holidays. So, um, yeah, um, and this is a bit of a change-up. Uh, for those of you who have followed the Twitter account, um, you will have seen a very crappy hand-done meme I made, uh, basically uh, kind of explaining a quick little detour here in our plan from um, the last episode that I recorded. Um I had initially thought that I would have the Cyprus episode after completing the episodes on kind of the proto-cities and temple structures of kind of the whole Levant in southern Anatolia. But after thinking about it, I felt like this is probably the best place to put this episode. Um, There's enough of a difference between the southern Levant and the sites of the northern Levant in Anatolia to separate them a bit more and honestly it kind of makes more sense to continue south and east after finishing them uh so that would leave kind of cyprus kind of an odd man out um whereas flowing naturally into uh, the south and east i'd have to go you know off the west coast and just kind of go from there um and then jump back to I guess the group that had more naturally followed um, from the northern Levant and southern Anatolia. Uh, But, you know, Cyprus, as you're traveling from north to south, it is kind of in a nice little mid-part between uh, the northern Levant and southern Levant and Anatolia, and it's kind of just off on its own. Um, So I decided to jump there and then jump back. and there are times where it might be better to consider Cyprus as more European than Asian, uh, but this is, time frame is not one of those. Um, besides, Apri- uh, Cyprus is, you know, again, it, it's a bit between the two, so this is a good place to stick it. Um, so next time we will continue to focus on those sites I mentioned in the last couple of episodes, um, but for now, we're going to just do our Cyprus episode real quick. Uh, now, I don't remember ever going into the origin of the name for the island when we talked about it last time, so I'm going to mention it and go into a little bit of detail now. Uh, the name of the island comes from the classical Greek Kypros, which was an evolution from an earlier Mycenaean Greek word that uh, might have been closer to something like Kuprizio. Um, Now, the origin of the Mycenaean word is not as clear. Uh, It is possible that they named 
the island after one or two uh, certain kinds of trees that grew on the island and were popular and important exports of the island. Um, either the Mediterranean cypress, uh, Cuprisus simperverens, in Greek known as Kiparisos, or the Greek name of the henna tree, Lasonia alba, uh, which is in Greek just Kipros. Um, though it should be noted that these trees do grow in other parts of the Mediterranean. They're not unique to Cyprus. So that is kind of a reason why it might not be related to that. Now another possibility of the island's name has to do with another of its early important exports, uh, that being copper. Uh, this theory posits that the name is actually derived from an Edo Cypriot word for copper, or perhaps something related to the Sumerian word for copper, uh, jubar, or bronze, kubar, of which the island, of course, is you know a vital source. Um, Edo Cypriot, it, by the way, is the language that was spoken on the island before uh, Greek became dominant. I'm not going to go into that now. Um, we will get to that when we talk about um, the expansion of Indo-European and just all that other kind of stuff. Uh, it will be for a future episode of Cyprus. Um, now, much like the trees, copper, of course, was found in other places, but Cyprus was all, was a massive nearby source for um the Mediterranean world. Um, and we'll dive again more into that when I talk about metallurgy, but to kind of provide an example of how closely tied copper was to the island's identity and importance, the Romans called copper ace kimprium, uh, or the metal of Cyprus, which they eventually shortened to cuprum, from which English eventually gets the word copper. Um, now, whether the name is related to trees or metal, uh, it is funny that we kind of find a chicken and an egg situation when it comes to both options uh, for a number of different words in English. But uh, again, that's just kind of a rough kind of uh, etym etymological breakdown of Cyprus and something that I thought was, you know, fairly interesting. Ah, now, one thing I did go over the last time we talked about Cyprus was that there were tools dating from around 10,000 BC and probably, probably older as well, but that evidence has been scant when it came to long-term habitation of the island. Um, the most you know, popular theory that I've seen uh, to kind of explain that is that perhaps humans traveled to and lived there seasonally or you know maybe for a year or two before returning to the mainland um and you know they were living a very uh, standard hunter-gatherer lifestyle they didn't set down too many roots um or maybe attempts were made to live there permanently before they failed and the evidence they left behind was substantial enough to survive to our time um 
but the first settlement of Cyprus has been dated to around 600 to like 900 years prior to our current time frame. So around 8900 to 8600 BC, which is right around the end of the PPNA and the start of the PPNB period in the mainland. And it was carried out by a group that was practicing agriculture and animal herding. So again, they hadn't abandoned hunting and gathering completely. Um, shortly after the arrival of permanent settlers, or possibly during um, the seasonal hunts of the preceding couple of hundred years or so, um, the island's pygmy elephant population went extinct, and the number of pygmy hippos uh, would drop after the settlement began before disappearing completely around 7,000 B.C. Uh, in fact, uh, there is evidence that they, that these, um, that these new settlers even imported more wild animals to the island uh, in addition to the crops and tamed or domesticated animals they brought. Um, that shows that they valued the animals enough to care for them even if they hadn't been tamed. Or uh, at least maybe they were attempting to tame new types of animals in addition to the dogs, sheep, and goats they were bringing. Uh, they brought foxes and a new type of deer called a Persian fallow deer. Uh, and there are other types of deer bones in the archaeological record, but I couldn't find a firm statement on whether they lived on the island naturally or if they were also imported the sources were a little unclear, but regardless, you have at least three different types of wild deer, uh, as well as other smaller animals that are being hunted. So uh, hunting, at least as a lifestyle, is still very important to these people, even though um, they may you know, beginning to be more reliant on domesticated strains of food. Uh, now, structures dating towards the start of permanent habitation uh, were rounded structures. Uh, the largest were around 10 meters, which is around 32 feet. Remember, they're circular, so um, they are not uh, square feet. <laughs> uh, they had stone foundations, but were made of um, sun-dried uh, bricks, uh, or I'm sorry, sun-dried straw-filled mud bricks. Um, this is very similar to the homes in the first city level of Jericho uh, and other sites as well, but we've already focused on Jericho, so that's just to kind of say that they're very similar. Uh, but unlike that site, or unlike Jericho, some of these structures were a bit more organized, and the roundhouses uh, were constructed uh, in kind of a formation of, of rings or in a ring formation in order to make almost small compounds. Perhaps these were family-related, um, but uh, these some of these did include walkways made of a kind of burnt limestone, you know, kind of smooth out the roughness uh, to make it easier to walk across. Um, there is evidence that they were weaving garments as well as, you know, creating stone tools and stone pottery from the nearby kind of volcanic rock that the island has. They also buried their dead under their homes, like the first 
uh, city level of Jericho or that initial uh, sedentary layer of Jericho. Uh, so there are a lot, a lot of material similarities to the late PPNA, um, or maybe maybe they're closer to the early PPNB groups. It's kind of hard to say, but I tend to think that they might be related to the PPNA. Um, but economically speaking, these people are a bit more advanced, uh, at least when it comes to food sources. Again, we talk about how the second level in Jericho had about a 50-50 split of wild animal bones and domesticated animal bones, while the PPNA layer had about 90% wild. These people, I, I couldn't get an exact percentage, but it does seem like domesticated sources are making are are more than ten uh, percent at least, um, perhaps up to that fifty percent. Um. Now, when it comes to you know re- anything that might be considered unique religious or ceremonial aspects, um. There is unfortunately nothing that I saw that makes them stand out from, you know, mainland sites. It appears that they are just burying their dead, um, in the home or you know, on on site. Uh, so any kind of religion or ceremonies they have, um, it's more, um, I guess, ephemeral or at least not as well documented. Or there's at least nothing that we can kind of examine to kind of glean from that. Um, they did have, of course, um, decorations, ornaments for themselves, you know, types of jewelry, things like that. So, you know, they weren't, um, they weren't just this very bare bones culture. They definitely had a sense of artistic style. Um, though again, it doesn't appear that there's necessarily anything religious or, you know, unique about their style that separates them, you know, too, too much from the mainland groups. Um, in fact, I, I think um, one of the sources I read for this was uh, Alan Simmons was his name. He was one of the archaeologists that first um, put forward the idea that Cyprus saw human activity, human activity earlier than this initial settlement. Um, there, you know, there had been evidence of like these um, pygmy uh, elephants and hippos, uh, but the initial kind of reaction to these bones were that you know these animals had died out, died out before humans had got there. However, you know, he and a couple of other archaeologists kind of examined the site and they came to some different sets of conclusions. And again, this is not a hundred percent settled; it's a matter of debate. Um, but they were of the impression that there were at least, you know, some temporary human uh, occupations of the site prior to the mid-8000s BC. Uh, and that led at least to the extinction of the pygmy hippo. I think the pygmy elephant, it's a little bit less clear, uh, but that seems to have been a smaller population to begin with. It's possible that they were well on their way to dying out before humans arrived and we just kind of put the final nail in the coffin as it were again that's a matter for debate but uh and then but he kind of had his own kind of thoughts about looking at the groups like in you know in kind of um progression and this is me paraphrasing very roughly 
but he kind of saw that the the idea that Cypress saw human activity um, that there are the human activity that Cypress sees are the people that are getting there trying to distance themselves from the troubles of the mainland. And again, this is me roughly paraphrasing. Uh, I'd recommend looking up some of his work. He's a very good writer, very interesting fellow, even if you don't agree with all his conclusions. Um, but essentially, this place, Cyprus, was used by uh, hunter-gatherers uh, to get away from the newfangled emphasis on agricultural agriculture and animal herding of their neighbors, you know, at these first initial human um, forays into the island, you know, where they're hunting seasonally. Maybe they're there to try to find, um, you know, more herds or, you know, better, more consistent uh, hunting grounds and, you know, to get away from their newfangled neighbors. And then when it becomes a permanent settlement, um, that this is perhaps a refuge for more traditional um, mixed economic groups from the PPNA. People who who like agricultural and animal husbandry and herding and all that stuff, but they still want to hunt to an extent. They still want to make that a pretty heavy part of their lifestyle, whereas their neighbors are more interested now on, you know, kind of, Uh, a mass exploitation of the land and resources. Uh, So he kind of saw that, you know, these separate waves are separate groups trying to get away from the troubles, I guess, of the mainland. Now, again, the evidence for that is extremely scarce. It's just something that he kind of felt when when examining the site. And uh, again, I think there is a certain level of... um, Projection. I think historians do it. I think archaeologists do it. I think everyone does it when they kind of examine things like this. But it is an interesting theory and one that I could kind of maybe see being at least partially correct. Um, but it's something interesting to think about. And again, I highly recommend his work. Again, his name is Alan Simmons. Um, now... Whatever brought them to Cyprus initially, they did not remain a static group. Uh, We see evidence of them importing new domesticated animals uh, like pigs, um, which, you know, again, they're domesticated around 7,000-ish BC. Um, They attempted to bring cows, which apparently didn't last on the island long. Uh, They probably weren't suited to the environment. Um... They also began to cultivate some of the island's wild plants, especially fruits like plums. Um, And the humans occupying the site in the initial phase of um, settlement, uh, they they also had trouble adapting to the environment and lifestyle, um, with the life expectancy of some of these groups showing that they only lived to around the age of 35 or so. Uh, now, this is not unique to early, you know, sedentary groups practicing this early form of sedentary, sedentarism. Um, but this is something that is more, you know, um, more general than to what's happening to people on Cyprus. I'm going to go into 
detail on that uh, when I talk about um, the developments of the city and uh, human uh, more elements of human domestication. Um, but just keep in mind that yes, the life inspections here was very bad, at least in these initial stages. But this is not something that's unique to Cyprus. Uh, so that's why I'm not going into it in too much detail here. I'll be going into that more in probably the next couple of episodes. Um, or it might be its own thing. Regardless, we'll get to it eventually. Um, now, um, perhaps it was hardships uh, that they had with this lifestyle that led to them digging wells on the islands on the island uh, excuse me um these are the oldest deliberately dug wells that have been found um i know Naptoplaya had some natural wells that dried up and then at a you know a couple of hundred years after the ones here had been dated to um they started to digging more man-made wells uh but uh, these appear to have been the first that have been dug by humans, um, at least that we've had record of. Uh, someone had asked that. So, um, when I was talking about Naptoplaya. Um, so yeah, so that is something that is at least, um, it's a first in terms of archaeological record here on Cyprus. But again, I don't know that there's evidence that it was never practiced um, at other sites. So it is something that they could have developed independently. Or it is something that uh, came from uh, groups on the mainland. Now, finally, whatever led them to colonize the island did not see them become completely independent from the mainland. They did not cut themselves off entirely. Uh, there is evidence of trade a few hundred years into the island's occupation. Um, obsidian is among the items that are not naturally occurring on Cyprus that show up in the archaeological record. Though it doesn't seem like Cyprus itself was home to any byproducts that were unique to it yet. Um, metallurgy won't be developed for another couple of thousand years, so there's no reason to suspect that they were trading copper. Uh, the only semi-unique artifacts... Um, that resemble items found on Cyprus are a type of kind of chipped uh, cobblestone. Uh, but it seems like that this was maybe uh, initially something that Cyprus provided, but then it was copied by mainland groups later. Uh, once they found similar stones locally, they could work. Um, it's possible they could have traded wood. Uh, again, wood does not hold up in the archaeological record nearly as well as stone. Uh, but again, the places they were in contact with had a lot of the same types of wood, um, though maybe Cyprus just had more of it to offer. Um, or maybe uh, the people living on Cyprus had mastered um, the type of regular sea travel needed to become raiders or pirates. Uh, this is going to be a fairly viable lifestyle for a number of Aegean islands in the next few millennia. Uh, maybe the people here were the first practitioners of that type of lifestyle. Um, there's no evidence of that, but, you know, maybe. It, it, it does explain how they would be able to acquire uh, 
these additional goods without having something unique to trade. Or perhaps they just had a more abundance of animals or, or crops. Um, who knows? Um, whatever the case, um, the humans who had been who have been occupying the island from the mid-8000s BC began to abandon their settlements and leave the island or die out around 6000 BC, right at the end of our timeline. Um, evidence of large-scale sedentary habitation, or I should say large-scale in relation to groups we've been dealing with. Again, there's no city here yet. Uh, we're talking maybe in the hundreds at most for these sites. Um, so again, they probably, if they stayed on the island and they were able to survive, they were moving, you know, they were moving from rock shelter to rock shelter, um, that kind of thing. They, it wouldn't have been a large number that remained. Um, so large scale sedentary habitation goes away until around 4500 BC. Um, now what caused this pre-pottery kind of civilization on the island to collapse isn't known. Um, just due to the nature of their structures, it's hard to tell, you know, if they just collapsed over time or if there was like maybe an earthquake, um, which this has caused problems for people living on Cyprus in the, you know, in more recent times as well as ancient times as well. But it could have been an earthquake. It could have been a, perhaps a disease outbreak from uh, animal-human cohabitation. Uh, you know, again, we're still in the early stages of domestication. We don't have nearly as good of a um, immune system for those type of diseases. And even to this day, these can cause problems. Um, it could have been an environmental issue causing their crops to fail. Um, now, I have not seen war or invasion put forward as a reason for abandonment for this location, which is unlike other sites like Jericho. Um, and sadly, this is probably going to remain a mystery until more excavation and evidence can be located. Um, though, um, you know, whatever the case, you know, humans may have left Cyprus at the end of our timeline, um, but uh, they would return, and uh, we will return to Cyprus in the future. Um, but just keep in mind that um, this is, again, this kind of shows that dichotomy between the hunter-gatherer lifestyle, the agricultural and pastoral lifestyles, and how the transition between these uh, these more mobile forms of living is not as easy as you know some of the more traditional story of human history kind of lays out. Uh, once you become an a sedentary agriculturalist, life does not magically become easy, and you don't begin occupying the land for thousands of years at a time. This is a this is a process. This is uh, kind of a back and forth issue um, but yeah so just another thing to keep in mind as we move forward um, now uh, again next week we're going to focus more on some sites in the northern Levant and southern Anatolia um, 
that might take an episode or two, maybe three. I'll see. Uh, and then we'll be continuing along with the rest of Asia. But I would like to thank everyone for listening. I'm, again, I'm sorry for the delay in getting this out. It was not my goal, but um, I feel like this is a nice little uh, episode and got uh, kind of got a very interesting uh, uh, subject out of the way and covered uh, for this time frame. And uh, yeah, we'll get to it next time. Uh, or continue on next time, and um, we will return to Cyprus. I hope you had a lot of fun and enjoyed listening. Uh, again, I hope your New Year's off on the right foot, and I hope you uh, will continue to listen and enjoy the podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at waradrevpod at gmail.com, or you can send me a message uh, on Twitter, uh, waradrevpod, and I will have a link to the Twitter feed in the description as well but thank you and i hope you have a good rest of your day goodbye